Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zen nicotine products are only for adults 21 plus who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 Challenge today at zen.com slash 10. That's Z-Y-N dot com slash 10. Ford Motor Company is committed to moving forward together with new all-electric vehicles that offer an efficient and exhilarating driving experience. Ford is going above and beyond to not only create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology, but to make sure that customers are well-educated on how to move forward with electric energy. Ford customers will also have easy and simple access to charge, whether you charge at home with the overnight plug-in Ford mobile charger or on the road. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more. Built Ford Proud. AT&T Dream in Black wants to celebrate you, the change makers, innovators, and visionaries, uplifting their communities. If that's you, you don't want to miss the chance to power even greater possibilities. Enter the AT&T Black Future Makers Contest for a chance to win $10,000 and an AT&T 5G-enabled device. You got this? Learn more at attdreaminblack.com slash contest. Must be 18 and older. Other restrictions apply. Oh, gee. Make some noise. Hey, this is Mara Schiavocampo. You may know me from television as a reporter for shows like Dr. Oz and Good Morning America. But this podcast isn't about any of that. A few years ago, I started a major life transformation, losing 90 pounds and gaining a new understanding of how the mind, body, and spirit work together. That's what this is about. Your best life, Elevated. Hey, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about body acceptance, the journey towards loving and accepting yourself more fully. I'm joined by a very special guest today. She is a body positive activist. She is an author of a book of daily affirmations that we're going to talk about in a second. And she also happens to be my sister. So Pia is here. Pia, welcome. Thank you. Pia Schiavocampo. Grazie. (laughs) You're my older sister. Not much older, but yes. Much younger. Much. (laughs) (laughs) So I have seen your journey up close. It has been a remarkable journey to witness. Mm -hmm. And I would love if you could share with this podcast community a little bit about your journey. Well, you and I grew up in the same house and shared some of the, the same struggles and our journeys have overlapped. And then they've also sort of been different. And I think um, after years of dieting and tremendous self-hatred um, and just a complete inability to be happy in the body that I was in, whether it was fat or thin or somewhere in between. You were not any happier when you were days no, smaller. Absolutely not. Um, there was still the obsession with body, the obsession with food, with eating, with not eating, with restricting, with exercising. Um, and I think part of it for me was that, you know, the way that I thought about food and the way that I thought about my body didn't change, even though the weight had dropped. Um, 
And, you know, in my naive brain, I really thought like weight loss or being a thin person was going to make me happy. And, you know, and what's interesting to me is that like I tried to do that same thing over and over and over expecting a different result. And at some point I got to the place where I thought this is absolute insanity. If I don't do something differently, then I can expect nothing to be different. And that's on me. Would you have considered yourself heavy most of your life or average size, or it's about what your perception was. How did you view yourself? You know, it's interesting. Like at my heaviest, I was probably close to 240 pounds. And at my lightest in adulthood, probably 160. So so that's a really big range, right? Um, And it's interesting because in my head, there was something about being in a size 10, 160 pound body that was, that felt empowering. But I think that that was really just, um, it was very surface level, right? Um, and so I have at this age at 43, I've been in a heavy body for, or heavier body, probably for like the last five or six years and been in much more acceptance of that body. I'm 217 pounds and I wear a size 18. For me, being able to say my weight out loud is very liberating because for so long, um, it was about the number on the scale. It was about the size of the genes that made me feel like I was worthy. And I realized that that's, it doesn't mean anything. So for me, it's about neutralizing that, right? It's about neutralizing words like fat and skinny and not assigning positive or negative attributes to them. Um, I think that's really where we're in a dangerous place is that we don't place the same value on every kind of body. So you went as far as to have liposuction. Yes. So when I was 23, um, my parents were living abroad in the Philippines. My parents, our parents were living (laughs) in the Philippines and plastic surgery, it was really inexpensive. And at that time, um, I was probably close to like 230 pounds or something like that. And, you know, in deep in my eating disorder, deep in, um, in the shame, here's the magic pill for happiness is they're going to suck all the fat out of my body. And then I'm going to be a princess. And I distinctly remember waking up. Our father was there and he was like, they sucked 11 pounds of fat out of you. And like the glee that he expressed, like, I was thinking that's all they took. Right. 11 doesn't sound like right. that Right. It much. doesn't sound like very much. I had to have surgery um, for that. And not only that, it was very painful. I don't think physically people... Painful. Physically painful. <clears throat> it was probably some of the worst pain I've experienced in my life. Mm. Um, and not to mention that the surgery, um, I'm not going to say it was completely botched, but to this day, there's unevenness in my lower stomach mm. um, and nothing that can ever be fixed other than having surgery, which I don't intend to do. So I have a lot of regrets around that. Um, Were you happy with the results? Initially? I was initially. Yeah, I absolutely was. Um, but again, like it wasn't, it was a band aid for what was this gaping wound. Right. If you had to describe where you are, mentally, emotionally, spiritually around your body today, day to day. Mm-hmm. How would you describe that state, the state of body positivity? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first I want to say that body positivity doesn't necessarily mean that I love my body or every piece of it every single day, every moment. Is that the goal? I think the goal is more about creating acceptance of all bodies. And I think the goal is to be comfortable Um in my skin, right? Um, and that body positivity is so tied to also our mental health, 
right? And so you talked about my, my day-to-day, my spiritual. I think those things are very, very tied together. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I'm the last few years, I'm probably the most comfortable I've ever been. And what's your philosophy towards eating? Because eating itself can be very triggering. It can be very triggering. Um, there are no off limit foods for me because restriction is a trigger for me. It makes me think of dieting. And so I haven't been on a diet in so many years and it feels great. Um, and so I basically eat what I want. I mean, you know, I, do I eat McDonald's every day? No, but if I did, it would be my prerogative. Cause I think part of the issue is that this is a political issue, right? And we want to politicize fat bodies and we want to have, be able to have commentary on those bodies or on food choices. I try not to cre- put a lot of judgment. So there are times when I find myself eating, um, foods that don't always feel great to me. And I know that like you were saying earlier, I know that when that comes up, I'm trying to cope with something, right? What I don't do is punish myself and say on Monday, I'm going to only do this. The meal is over. It's done On to the next thing. Right. right. Um, so it's really about neutralizing food also. So it's like neutralizing the words fat and it's neutralizing and, and stop calling some foods good and bad. Because I think what happens is that when we call foods good or bad, the person becomes good or bad based on the food they chose. Right. Are there times where you might say, I'm not feeling great at this size. I'm going to try to modify some things and lose some weight. Or is that not even part of your worldview anymore? It's not really a part of my worldview. But as someone who has struggled with um, with an eating disorder for many years and who lives every day in a society that is bombarded with images that don't look like me, it's impossible for those things to not penetrate. And I may have moments where I'm, where I think to myself, gosh, if I lost weight and then I have to shut that, that thought down immediately, because again, I already know that, um, that weight loss for me is, is, is a very triggering thing. Diet talk, very triggering for me. Triggering. What does it do? What, what's the effect? Yeah. I think the trigger is that, um, when I hear the word diet, it suggests to me that I am not enough, that at this weight, at this size, that I am not valuable. And that if I am not constantly working towards being a smaller person, then something is wrong with me. It feels like a moral attack for me to just be in this body and to be okay with it. Well, so you raise an interesting point. So is there a conflict, an inherent conflict between self-acceptance and seeking to change yourself? I think that's the healthiest way to approach change is to accept where one is right now. Um, because I think when you fight and you create this resistance, you don't allow things to flow into your life that you want, right? So in my opinion, yeah, I think you absolutely have to come from a place of acceptance. Um, you know, whether it is your, whether it's you're trying to become more active or maybe you're embarking on a new adventure, you have to say, okay, well, this is where I am right now. This is where I want to be. How do I stay in a positive state of mind? What does it take for me to do that? Right. There's a lot of shame around gaining weight. A lot of shame. And this is something that it was very revelatory for me when I realized how ashamed I would feel when I would gain weight mm. and realizing that gaining, losing weight is generally a function of being a human being. 
So now I can say, and again, like you said, your weight out loud, that was, that's a big thing for you. Mm -hmm. For me to say, I'm seven pounds heavier than my lowest weight. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for me because I feel Mm -hmm. some shame around it. Because... Because I think of the way that we were brought up and also because of what society teaches you, that it's letting yourself go, that first you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I am also in the, you know, trying to reprogram myself and say, okay, A, how do you feel? And actually, I feel pretty great. Mm-hmm. And I see the thickness in good places. And I'm like, this is not so bad. <laughs> right. But what I do always want to be conscious of is, is this a signal of something else? Because for mm-hmm. me, overeating is always a signal of something else. And that's the point. Right. But when it comes to the shame around gaining weight, this again is something that I hear from women who message me. They want to basically hide until they're back in their, you know, the the size that they, people are used to seeing them in. Right. You want to hibernate, you know, you want to wear a a trash bag. Mm -hmm. How do you counter those feelings of shame around gaining weight? I think that's really tricky. And I think one of the things that has been most impactful for me is number one, to surround myself with a tribe who is body positive, right? And who supports you. And for most of us who are on social media, I think what you need to do is you need to create a feed that reflects what you look like, right? That, that shows women or men that have bodies that look like yours who are embracing them. Because if your feed is like Beyonce or it's, you know, Vogue magazine, there's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong, right? There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. But what I'm saying is like, you have an opportunity to curate your feed, right? And that's what I've done. So like, I would say 99% of my feed is images of women who look like me, who have larger bodies and who are stylish as fuck, because that is what empowers me and makes me feel like, you know what? I can tuck my shirt into my stomach. Yes, I have a fupa. I have a stomach. And guess what? So do so many other women. Most women. Most women. I mean, the images that we see are not representative of the majority. They're of not. Women. And that is not, I have found too, that we also, in these subtle ways, we throw darts at women who meet the standard and that's not right either. Absolutely. So this is no shade to them. If you have a completely flat stomach, God bless you. But that is not representative of most women. How do you counter the images? I mean, when you see a woman with a quote unquote perfect body looking amazing on a red carpet or in an ad, how do you counter those images? Because they are plentiful. Yeah. Um, So I'm at a point now where I can look at those bodies and not feel triggered in the same way. I don't start examining the body and thinking about why don't I have this or that. And this is going to sound really silly, but I'm usually just looking at their outfit and going, oh, that's really cute. Um, And again, it goes back to my feed. There are plenty of other, there are plenty of women who aren't super famous, but who'd go to red carpet events. And I'm like, I want to see what they're wearing. I want to see what Gabby Sidibe is wearing. My approach to body positivity before I became perhaps a little bit more informed was that there was a lot of hatred for thin women. And it was all about like thick is better, curvy is better. And that is the wrong message. But do you, do you feel like that? I mean, it does seem like that's present. I have always felt unwelcome in that community. because In the I, body positive community. Yes. Yeah. Because I live a way of life that promotes weight loss. Mm -hmm. Now I will say the only reason I promote it and I don't promote it. I want everybody to be happy and in love. Mm -hmm. People ask me. And so I'm telling them Mm -hmm. frankly and honestly and openly everything that I have learned about weight loss. Mm -hmm. 
And that gets construed as promoting it. And I feel unwelcome in that community. Mm -hmm. I would say that promoting weight loss is probably one of those things that I think the body positive community really um, struggles with because we get those messages from so many places. I think that we need to have more open conversations because I think weight loss has to be a personal choice. I think the issue is that it's thrust upon us from everywhere. And we so need a community space that can be a very triggering thing for people who are struggling with body image and eating disorders. And so I think that's part of the aversion to the weight loss talk. Right. But I, you know, I think this is an important conversation to have is that you have every right to do what you want to do with your body, just like I do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I I think that sometimes what's lost in there is that I am still subject to the same imagery. I'm still subject to the same societal Mm -hmm. pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still could benefit from a community like that as well, Mm -hmm. just because I've moved kind of closer to this, to the standard. Right. Doesn't mean that I'm, you're the standard. I mean, if we're being honest, you are, you are the standard, right? For black women. It looks, looks very different through my eyes, but that's sure. Sure. Is it looks different through my eyes. Mm -hmm. I was actually having this conversation recently with a producer at the Dr. Oz show. I had brought two dresses because Mm -hmm. I was feeling really heavy Mm -hmm. and not confident at all that day. Mm -hmm. I was deciding based on how they were going to position me. Was I going to be sitting or was I going to be standing? Wow. And I asked the producer, how was I going to be positioned? Because that was going to determine my dress. And she said, I had no idea that you ever thought like that. And I thought like... Mm -hmm. I'm no different than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I have those days where I feel lousy. When I look yeah. in the mirror, I'm not seeing everything that's right. I'm mostly mm-hmm. seeing what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can all benefit from that support and that love. And But I think we have to have more of these kind of conversations, right? Because people make a lot of assumptions. I know you, right? And so I know what's underneath. But a lot of people would look at you and, and say, like, she doesn't struggle. She's fine. You know, if they read your book, then they probably know different. Um, but you, I think you have to do this. You have to have the conversations. Yeah, right? the transparency is Because if you look at me, what do you see? Confidence. Okay. Why? Because you have on huge earrings and <laughs> <laughs> you have blue eyeliner and you cut your hair really short on the side and you look gorgeous, but you are living a life that defies what society says you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And that to me says that you're very confident. Mm-hmm. Do you not feel that way? I do. I mean, I do, but just like you, just like you've said, I have my days and my moments where I feel like crap, you know, and I don't feel enough and I don't feel attractive when I look in the mirror, or I put something on and, you know, I'm like, Oh God, if I could just get rid of this stomach. Right. And then I'm like, woo, 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 woo. I don't let myself spiral down because I know the depths of that place. Mm-hmm. You've noticed that a lot of companies and brands are now using, they're just using unconventional Mm -hmm. um, models, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the comments, sometimes they're so hateful. They're almost always saying, (sighs) you are promoting an unhealthy way of life. Oh my God, that makes me bananas. First of all, what can you tell about my health by looking at me? Have you been to my doctor? Do you know my numbers? No, because it's none of your fucking business, number one. We don't do that to thin people. We assume that thin people are in good health because they are thin. Because we are living in a culture that associates thinness with health. And I think that is one of the biggest problems we have. There's, a, you know, this health at every size movement, um, which I know a lot of people bristle against. Um, and it is that, you know, that thing about, oh, well, it's unhealthy and I'm worried about your obesity. No, you're not worried about me. This is an opportunity for you to shame me. You're not that concerned about me because you don't know me. Um, 
like we don't invite different sized bodies to enjoy exercise. And I feel like so much is marketed to us that exercise is about losing weight and it's about competition rather than it being about doing something joyful with your body that makes you feel good and that you can do that now, right? Right. You can do that at any point in your life. What advice would you give to someone who encounters, you know, interpersonal relationships, that person who always has a snide comment, or maybe you've put on some weight and that person who says something about it, Mm -hmm. you may miss no meals. You know, how do you deal with person to person negative interactions? Boundaries. And that is something I've learned an awful lot about in the last five or six years is creating boundaries. Um, we, you and I were talking about this earlier. It's about teaching people how to treat you. Yeah. Um, and so if you are somebody who comes in with negative energy and you have nothing nice to say, then I don't need to be, we don't need to be in each other's lives. Um, but it's also about speaking up for yourself. If someone is in a place of hating themselves Mm -hmm. or loathing their body, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I get a lot of messages from women who are really unhappy with their body right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and it's for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes because they just had a baby. I'm very sympathetic to that. It's hard to feel comfortable in your skin right Mm -hmm. after you've had a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes they've just put on a lot of weight for stress, different reasons. They're just very unhappy with where they are. And that's a terrible place to be. It's a place I've been many times and I hope never to return to. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to those women and men who are listening right now so that they can love and accept themselves more in this moment even if they're seeking to make a transformation, mm-hmm. you don't have to make that transformation from a place of loathing the entire time. Right. Right. How do you start? I think it's different for everybody. I think for me, it really started with, um, with trying to value specific parts of my body. Right. So it started with, well, if I can't love my thighs, my stomach, my butt, what can I love right now? Or what can I at least be okay with? Right. I like my neck. I like my decolletage. And so it's a fancy word. It what, is, it, what you talk about your cleavage? My, well, not really. Cause I, I don't really show cleavage anymore. That's another <laughs> story. But, um, because I've become a bit modest, but you know, it's sort of like my neck neckline. Right. Um, and that's a part of my body that I've always liked. And so that's a place for me to start. Right. Um, and I think the other piece of it is I don't keep clothes in my closet that do not fit me, whether they're too big or too small. Mm. And I do not set goals around trying to fit into clothes because I want to be cute no matter what size I am. And because plus fashion has come so far in the last few years, I have so many more options and it it's fantastic. I mean, I can wear the things that I want to wear. I can express myself and that's a big part of who I am. So if you were to put on a pair of jeans that fit you a year ago, say, and you realize you can't button them, you can't zip them, you would throw them away. Yeah. Those need to be given away. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And and that's so different than the way I used to operate. My closet was huge. I would have clothes from like a size 12 to a 20. And the infuriating part about that was that it meant I was never in the present. I was either living in the past of being thin or in the future of being heavier than I was at that moment. And I don't want to have that pressure on me. You know, I really, really don't. So, you know, so that's important to me is to dress in things that make me feel good because it's really about honoring ourselves. And it's about saying I deserve the best in this moment. So let's talk about your book. So you have a book of of daily affirmations. What is the title of the book? It is called Love It. Love It. 234 Inspirations to Love Your Body. 
Can you give me an example of some that you like? Yeah. Um, actually, there is one in particular that I like, which is which is which can be, I think, a little bit um, scary. And it's one that I've done actually many times over the years. Um, and it's about writing a letter to your younger self, telling that younger version what things about them you're grateful for, you're proud of and appreciate, and tell them what you wish you had known at that age. So what would you say to your younger self? Oh, girl, do you even know how cute you are? <laughs> girl, you need to be out in these streets, okay? Get out in these streets and love yourself. I mean, I think about it all the time. My high school experience would have been so different. But, you know, this is the journey. Like, I couldn't be here if I hadn't gone through that. Right. You know, but I, I often think about all the things I miss out on because I thought I was too heavy and unattractive not doing theater, which I regret to this day, not having done more of that, been more outgoing, tried out for stuff. Um, I just, I, I really regret it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. No, thank you. <laughs> where can people find you on social media? Yeah. Tell us where they can buy your book, get all the plugs in. Okay. So on social, on Instagram, Mixed Fat Chick. On Twitter, I'm Mixed Fat Chick. Facebook, Chronicles of a Mixed Fat Chick. You made it easy. And MixedFatChick.com. Okay. And then the so book. So Mixed Fat Chick. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Um, and the book, um, Love It, can be found on Amazon. It's $9.95. It's a great book. You can do it in any order. There's no right way to do it. Open the book, pick something that looks good, and just try it. It's a day-to-time journey. New episodes of Elevated drop on Mondays. Please subscribe and review. In the meantime, send me questions, ideas, or feedback. I'm on all social platforms as Mara Scampo. And use the hashtag Elevated Podcast. Sponsorship for this podcast is brought to you by Ford. Built Ford Proud. Ford is going above and beyond in innovation to create the smartest, most connected EVs and technology on the market. With charging made easy with the overnight plug-in Ford mobile charger, as well as over 19,000 charging stations in the Blue Oval Charge Network. See why Ford's new EVs are redefining what electric can do. Journey into the future with Ford's lineup of electric vehicles with many exciting and affordable options to choose from. Head over to Ford.com to learn more about the electric revolution. Built Ford Proud. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. Legal professionals know that e-discovery can be painful, but the right platform can help you find the truth in minutes. Just how Everlaw helped crack the case in the Theranos civil litigation. Using Everlaw's cutting-edge technology, the lead lawyer quickly combed through millions of documents to find his smoking gun. That's why Amlaw 200 firms, Fortune 500 corporations, and all 50 state AGs trust Everlaw to find critical information in massive amounts of data. Book your demo today at everlaw.com.